0: Welcome to the IJ4EU podcast, where we discuss all things related to investigative journalism. I'm Timothy Large from the International Press Institute in Vienna, and it's great to be back on the airwaves after what is fair to describe as a bit of a hiatus. Now, for those who have listened before, you'll know that the IJ4EU podcast is all about cross-border watchdog journalism in Europe. IPI and our partners at the European Journalism Center and the European Center for Press and Media Freedom Run the IJ4EU fund, which supports journalists all around Europe to collaborate on ambitious stories in the public interest. Today, we wanted to relaunch the podcast with a bang. And I think what we've got for you is a story that's going to be of interest to a lot of listeners. If nothing else, this is a world exclusive. We're going to take you behind the scenes of an investigation yet to be published and a documentary yet to be screened. And this is not an average piece of investigative journalism. Although it does involve some staples of the genre, organized crime, bad guys aplenty, abuse and exploitation, but this is primarily a story about dogs, man's best friend. More specifically, we're gonna lift the lid on the illegal trade in puppies that's going on all around Europe at an unbelievable scale. And chances are, if you live in Europe, it's going on around you. This story is going to shock you. It's going to change the way you think about how we as a society, for want of a better phrase, procure puppies. So let's get to it. I'm delighted to be joined by two extraordinary journalists, the people behind The Real Puppy Game. That's the working title, at least, of an investigations that will hit your screens soon. One of those people is John-Erik West, a Finnish freelance journalist and filmmaker with more than 25 years of experience in the investigative journalism business. So welcome, John. Great to have you on the show.
1: Great to be here. Thank you. It is absolutely a fantastic opportunity to talk about the ongoing investigation that we are doing together with Anik.
0: Fantastic. Well, that's the other person on the, on the show, Annick Hoos, a Belgium-based freelance investigative journalist and a researcher with well more than eight years of experience in the field. And welcome to you, Annick.
2: Thank you, Tim. Very nice to be here.
0: So let's get started. Um, I'd like to begin by asking you to do something that I know is very difficult to do, given that you've been up to your ears in this story for months, if not years. But try to Try to just give us the headline as briefly as you can. What is the main thrust of this investigation? What is the big reveal? Most of these
1: people, it's it's organized crime, as you say. There are nasty people. Some of them who are organizing this uh, puppy trade, and they are doing simultaneously many other things, of course. And they are all like divisions, sort of, that are taking care of the uh, the dog import and and. And the main problem is here that we and we cannot be sure today's world where those puppies actually come from. They might come from various countries because there is con uh, there are constant movement between the countries and the locations, and then they are swapping the places so quickly that we, if there somebody says that this puppy is definitely from German, it might be from Italy, or it might be from Romania, or it might be from outside the Europe.
2: Also a very important focus of the story is the legislation that they have in the European Union because um the European Commission is supposed to have a look at the transport of um uh, animals for commercial purposes which also involves uh puppies being traded uh to become pets and um also a remarkable thing that we found is that there's a lot of scientific proof that these transports do a lot of harm uh, to the mental and physical health of the puppies, but that actually nobody seems to care. People don't realize what they're uh, getting into because they, they, they buy these puppies. They don't realize where they're coming from when in fact they are a bit traumatized. Um due to mm. the way that they are raised, but also due to the way that they are transported. And that's why also you have a lot of uh dogs that are mentally not fit to be pets. And this problem also increased um during the pandemic because people wanted to have puppies. So uh, because the demand was high, these dogs were getting younger and younger when they went on the transport, which... Even cause more damage, so
0: yeah. It, it, this is all really interesting stuff, and it seems to me like there's a lot to unpack here. So, I suggest if, if how does this sound to you? Maybe we could sort of break things down a little bit into bite-sized chunks. Maybe, maybe we could start by talking about the the breeding farms or or whatever you would call them, particularly in Eastern Europe, where there seems to be a, bit, a big problem. Then maybe after that we can come back to the issue of transporting the puppies across borders. Absolutely. That's a very good idea. Which which, that involves a forced labor element, if I'm not if I'm not Mm. incorrect, which is very interesting. Then maybe the impact of on the dogs themselves. And what I find very interesting about your um, documentary is that you're going to really Give the viewers an insight into the psychology and the experience of the dogs themselves as they are being transported. I'd love to hear more exactly. about that. Exactly. And then, and then perhaps we could talk about some of the wider health implications and maybe the regulations if we have time. But just to kind of set the scene and to get going into this, I wanted to ask you to something, um, it, it, which relates to my own experience. And this might sort of give us a, a way into this topic a little bit because. As you say, during the pandemic, a lot of people were getting dogs. And I had that experience myself. My partner and I, Jelena, decided we we wanted to get a puppy. Uh, so we started looking for a, for a puppy. Uh, I'm based in Austria, Yelena's from Croatia. So it was natural that we started looking online uh, for, you know, we, we did think about uh, getting a rescue dog, but for various reasons we decided not to. We wanted a particular type of dog, a hypoallergenic dog that didn't shed fur. So we started looking online for you know essentially advertisements to see breeders who who might be able to provide us with a dog and we ended up visiting a couple of places one was in Croatia and one was in Slovenia and they were very very different experiences the first one in Croatia we went and the second we got there I had a very uneasy feeling i uh first of all it was in the middle of winter it was very cold and yet the breeder breeder in quotes um made us sit outside, didn't even take us in, sort of wheeled out this very sad looking golden retriever who was heavily pregnant, who seemed to be sleeping in some kind of a, a shed or a barn outside in this kind of concrete yard. And everything about the thing just, it, it, it didn't feel right. I felt very uneasy. So needless to say, we didn't we didn't get a dog from that place. And then in contrast, we found a place in Slovenia where we went and was a very nice Rural place. The person obviously was crazy about dogs, so much so that every time she has a litter, I mean, it is a business for her. But every time she has a litter, she would um, keep two or three of them because she couldn't bear to get rid of them. So she has about a hundred dogs running around, uh, and it, the whole experience was was just much nicer. So we ended up getting a dog from there, um, Daisy, who has now become something of the IPI office dog. Uh, she's not here now, but normally she's running around and barking at everybody and making it impossible to get any work done. But she's kind of our therapy dog. It worked out very well. But what I'm, the question I have for you is, first of all, was I right, do you think, to be suspicious of that first place? Secondly, could that second place, which was so nice, actually have been dodgier than I thought? Could it have been a front or something? And then when, I forgot to mention, when we took the dog back across the border. And this was during COVID. This was at a time when they were still checking passports, vaccinations, all that stuff. The borders were kind of closed, so I expected there to be scrutiny. But we sailed through with this dog, Yelena and me, in a car. Uh, No one even blinked an eye, even though we had a small puppy. And it made me think we would be the perfect kind of traffickers, if you like, of illegal puppies. So do we fit the description of the kinds of people who might, for one reason or another, become involved in this trade. Just, just what do you think about that, the kind of experience we
1: had? The honest answer is absolutely yes. Because, first of all, uh, there is a very thin line between so called uh, responsible breeder and, and uh, like massive mass breeder, because uh, they even have like uh, families to be, pretend to be breeders and living with the dogs, and you come as a customer to have a look. Oh, there's a nice little really? family. Look, children playing with the dogs, and next week you go there, there's nothing. Or oh, there's an, another family with another dog. So for a customer uh, protection issue, this is very, very, very hard to make the difference. Of course, people are always nice. They are like, take, uh, take photos, you know, come to visit. And that's a very good sign, at least, that they ask you to come to visit. And you, you could actually see at least that there is puppies and there might be the mother dog. But if you are unexperienced, how can you ever tell that if it's not like, because there, there might be, there was in one case in Lithuania, there was a one a tiny dog that normally gives birth for two puppies. That dog had 12 puppies when, when the families come to visit and families don't, there's all oh, lots of puppies, you know, and they took all the puppies mm-hmm. and then definitely not from the same mother dog. And uh, that the question about when you kind of referred for the puppy mills or puppy factories, one has to remember that uh, one dog can even be a puppy mill if it's constantly, you know, in the heat and uh, giving hormones to give a bird all the time. So there is a, like, of course, that's a term that needs to, uh, to have a, like a closer uh, attention to... Uh, of course, there are big farms sort of where there are even tens or even hundreds of uh, mother dogs. That's possible, and that's that's not even illegal if there is like veterinary has checked everything, and uh, and 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 it feels like certain like (laughs) requirements. So it's it's basically legal to have like mass massive massive uh, breeding center, even or a big kennel is the nicer name for, for that kind of activity. So so there is very. But if you look at the animal mm-hmm. welfare size, I don't know it. But but you, I think you did the right thing because if if you feel that you don't feel comfortable when you are going to see the the place or the puppies, uh, the one thing is uh, of course after you leave, should I report? Is it any point to report anywhere? Or normally, these people might be even uh, if they are, they are not like acting normally. They might do something for you because they might have your information already when when you because you have to give some information for them, but necessarily they don't, don't give anything to you. So they, they know something about you, even m- where you might live, and they might have your phone number, they might track your phone number. And, and, and you know, it's a uh, very hard place for the customers, and the internet is an, an another place no. now where you can be, like, blind-eyed easily. There's no guarantee of anything. So that's, on the other from a very uh, um, dark world, But you have to, like, try to find the light within. Anik, please add something if you have.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think, indeed, it's it's just very difficult to tell if you are dealing with a responsible or irresponsible breather because um, the irresponsible ones know that there is more awareness, that people sometimes do their research and know that they should pay attention to certain things. So they do realize they sh- should also make sure that the, the people wanting to buy the dogs don't get suspicious. And sometimes if they do, or if like you described the, the, the dog um, with uh, the, the pregnant golden retriever, who's living in this terrible place, sometimes it also works the other way around that people feel sorry for the animal. And then they decide, okay, we want to buy a puppy here because we need to make sure that the puppies get away here, that we can give it a better life. So it's on the one side, you have mm. the buyers that that are uh, reacting like, oh, this is not a good place and we should go somewhere else. But you also have these people, they think they need to rescue these dogs. And that's also what you see here in, in Belgium, you have these pet shops and s- I think a lot of people know that these dogs come from places that you don't want to see, but they yeah. buy them anyway because they feel like they they are rescuing these dogs, and that's also uh the what the the breeders and and the, the handlers are are taking advantage of. uh yeah. They don't care if you want to have a dog and you don't know anything about the trade or you buy the dog. Because you feel sorry for it and you want to rescue it, they they earn money anyway. So
0: either way, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I can see. So I can see there's a there's a difference between like breeders that are just good and breeders that are irresponsible and maybe unethical and and bad. But what they're doing is it illegal, and where is the organized crime in this? Uh, Because obviously they're bad breeders, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just about to say that even some uh, so-called uh, serious breeders, good breeders, they might be legitimate. They have one litter each year, for example, but they have other dogs that they, they are, and they sold those puppies on the cray market because peop- no, some of the people don't, they don't want to see the pedigree. They don't, they don't care about the papers. They just care about the puppy. But w- when it comes to um, criminal activity is like, uh, we're talking about puppies uh, en masse. You know, they are more, they have a lot of puppies and they are selling it from uh, like, uh, 50 puppies each, like 20 euros. They f- uh, sell it to the middleman who, who further sells it to the, even to the breeders. So, and that's uh, like the massive movement. And they are, there is no, they don't pay taxes. That is the one reason that it makes already illegal. They take, the, it's a direct cash flow to those people and they don't respect, uh, uh, any they don't have a vaccination. Some of the puppies they don't—they just smuggled in the puppies because they don't fulfill the required, the minimum requirements, which is the 15 weeks of age of importing the dogs to an European Union country. Of course, when it's a uh, third country import, there in, in the borders there are a mandatory check by by the by the uh, the custom people. They have to check each mm-hmm. car uh, coming over, but. Uh, but of course, if you are smuggling dogs, they might be under the seat, and 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 that mm. I think are the two main reasons that makes it uh, the three sorry three reasons that makes it illegal activity and criminal activity because they are there is no like uh, nothing is done by the book sort of
0: yes now you, you use the word smuggle so let let's be very clear about this um, are you saying that dogs. Are- Okay, there's, there's not having the paperwork, there's not having the the appropriate um, vaccinations and so on. So, is is there a demand for dogs, or is the demand for dogs so great that there is a kind of business case or business model for people to cut every single corner uh, and bring as many dogs as they possibly can from whatever conditions, uh, in a sense, to deliver them to your door and almost mail order puppies. Uh, is that exactly. where the smuggling comes in, and and who's Absolutely. doing the smuggling? Because it must be quite a massive a massive operation.
1: It is. It is an. And according to the information that we have now gathered, and uh, there are various people of doing this. Some of the are the middlemen by themselves, or they have even families, like you describe. You, you you two are traveling with a nice little puppy, but of course, uh, according to the legislation. Uh, um, person can bring uh, import five dogs into the country without that concerting as a uh, commercial activity so so you can basically have five puppies with you and claim that they these are our our dogs and they have families traveling and crossing the borders and then they have like uh, of course like in what what comes in the drugs and other uh communal activity they have uh, like fake cars or suspicious cars and people crossing closing the border so that the people they hold the there's something might wrong and then there's a second card coming or they have a like corrupted policy that's calling okay we have a like this control point is now here open go the other way around that's so, very
0: interesting so are you saying that the same people who are smuggling drugs smuggling other forms of contraband maybe guns whatever are also getting in on the dog trade dog smuggling trade yeah yeah m-
1: not not necessarily the same very same people but the, but the, there are like it's like a criminal syndicate it's like there is the top people who are organizing, they have the shoulders doing certain things, but but the, the money is flowing to one direction. That is, I think, uh, uh, and it, correct me if I'm uh, not uh, cor- uh, right here, but uh, there is physical evidence even for that, that there is like uh, the same people that are doing this.
2: Hmm. Yeah, and, and actually the, the European Union knows about, all about this network that exists to smuggle puppies, um, but apparently it's it's as hard as as um, like preventing weapons and drugs from being smuggled. It's also difficult to stop puppies from being smuggled uh, across borders yes and, and the, mm. the, also an important thing is that normally puppies have to be fifteen weeks old. Uh, before they can cross borders. Um, this is because it's only at this age that they are protected, um, against rabies. So, which is uh, a zoonotic disease, which can also kill people. Uh, but also the, the 15 week, um, age is also a problem because at that point, the uh, puppies aren't as cute as when they are eight weeks old. Mm-hmm. So breeders prefer to sell the dogs as little as possible because then it's just easier to to convince people to get this very little thing uh, into their homes. So they, that's also a reason why they don't respect the 15 week rule because they just want to sell as soon as possible. And yeah, it's actually very sad.
1: Yes, yes, because they don't have premises to keep the dogs till the, till the 15 weeks because they are uh, purchasing the dogs either from the like uh, other middleman's or the collection centers which are are placed in the various cities in uh, places in Europe so so that that is the one reason they they want to like it's like any other goods that you are selling you are picking up something and you de- deliver and that's it and and, mm-hmm. and and
0: so so when people are looking online and they come across wonderful advertisements and wonderful websites mm-hmm. of breeders and promising you know pictures of the puppies that, that have just come in the latest litter uh, and you know promising to bring them to your door in x number of weeks how suspicious should we be of that are these are these fake advertisements are they you know I think are you getting I what think most,
1: yeah I think there are there are there are improvement but I I would say that at least according to my experience almost half of the more are fake fake ads. almost half
0: uh, or even more
1: and one wow. one thing to be secure is is to try to First, contact the local kennel clubs because they normally have the registration of the uh, of the breeders that have at least given their information and business details. And you know that you know that that is actually a place. But other one other problem there seems to be problems and problems each time you have a solution. There's new problems occur like here in if you have noticed that this might be a good solid breeder and you confirm it from the uh, kennel club. Happened in Norway that people stole images. They asked, they were interested in the breeder's puppies. And they stole the videos and images the original breeder sent. And then they put their own ad with the very same images and videos and gathered reservation fees, many thousand euros. And then they closed their accounts and disappeared. And and that's why, because they are using, uh, you can get like, Free, free, uh, you can buy the numbers from online. You don't have, you don't have to use any more SIM cards or whatever you have. Like, uh, you can mm. buy them and you can have, like, I can have like Austrian phone number buying online and pretend to be, I'm mean, located in Austria. And, you know, and I can said okay, it's valid for two hours this phone. And I receive a lot of calls and messages and, uh, even, even payments for the PayPal accounts and I close it and, mm. and, and, and that's, that's a sad, but I think there are a lot of, uh, there has. There has, they're trying to like be that so that they have to be like, uh, how you say in English, um, you have to, um, prove your identity by looking by your banking accounts or details, you know, to like st- the strong, uh, uh, so that there is a real person that is uh, placing this ad. But yet again, yeah. it's, it's, it's a challenge out there, honestly. And, and. Of course, there are some various factors. Even the language might be very bad in the ads. So, you know, okay, this might be fraud. Or the, you, you notice the same images from the various websites on mm-hmm. the various countries. Or there is always one male and female, one female puppy available. Such how conveniently. So, you know, mm-hmm. so, so these are those alarming kind of like uh, first things that you have to, okay, this is the red light, definitely.
0: I mean, you talked about uh, this being maybe half or more of advertisements out there, which brings us to the scale of this. Uh, can you put a number on how big this illegal trade is—a a euro amount or a number of animals per year? Is—is is it even possible well, to well, estimate? Well, actually,
1: yeah, actually, very, very rough estimation. I calculated uh, about the amounts of that. Uh, how many liters are uh, registered each year in europe and uh, i calculate there is an estimation from the eu level that 8 million or even more puppies are needed annually to fulfill the demand and that official uh, registered leaders covered only like 15 17 percentage of that amount so that might leave us up to 80% of the illegal uh, but, but that's that's uh, estimations are a little bit tricky because they might be 50, they might be even more, you know. So, it, but but it's definitely a bigger amount, a huge amount of this uh, traffic, and, and the sale is based on the illegal activity at some but,
0: point. But even if it's 50, say, I mean, that's still presumably what hundreds of thousands, if not millions of, of dogs per year, right? Yeah. The, that's I don't know what the, what the, I mean, that's a vast amount. And mm. in terms of coming back to the issue of people driving across borders and, you know, family, you know, family fronts, if you like. People like me and Yelena could be employed Mm -hmm. to do that. We would never do Mm -hmm. that, of course. But what, can you just talk a little bit more about who does that? Who gets involved in that? Why do they do it? Is it just for money? Are they, are they, do they know that they're breaking the law? Is there some coercion involved? Because they're not, they can't all be gangsters. with Something of this scale.
1: That's, they are like, Sorry, Annika, I'm
0: just <laughs> Sorry, rushing, 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 <laughs> yeah, rushing, but
1: uh, uh, I mean, those are most of the case. They are people that some of them are forced to do so, or they have, uh, they, they owe money for those people. They have, you know, or they are, they just notice that, okay, this is a good, if the average salary is like 600 euros or 800 euros in a country, and then you this you make a two, three trips. You get five hundred or two hundred forty. You are starting to calculating that. Hey, that's cash in my hand. You know, it's you know various various people, but they are like people to be sacrificed. You know, because if they get caught, that's their problem. They were driving the car. You know, they were try- They have having the dogs, and they they get to the trouble. So so that's. But I think uh, not all of them are like. They they don't even, they might be in a good faith, sort of. But okay, this is easy, like you are telling, hey, I have one back here, bringing it over to Germany. Yeah. I, I don't have mm-hmm. time to go there. So, hey, here's two puppies. Can we put it here? So.
2: Yeah, and, and you also noticed that uh, because people are more aware of uh, the puppy trade, that they don't want to buy a dog anymore at these pet shops. So they go uh, to uh, families to buy a dog, but sometimes these families are also involved um that they agree to to sell puppies from a certain breed, so they have female dog, male dog, and then a couple of puppies in the house but in fact, mm. these puppies also come from uh, abroads but these people i don't know if if they are actually aware of uh, um, the the things that they are getting into because most of the times these are well people who are maybe not that well educated maybe have money problems so they see uh the the selling of puppies as a way just to to earn a bit of extra money like yeah Mm -hmm. sometimes people turn to i don't know what uh drug uh drug selling and it's the same with puppy selling. Like this is uh, an opportunity for yeah, them is... to, to earn more money. And this
1: Yeah, and this is kind of like safer way. If you get caught, you don't get like very hard sanctions. You might just get. Mm-hmm. You have to return with the dogs to the country of origin, or leave the dogs there, and you can continue. There's no right, there's like a difference between.
0: So, yeah, yes, and if you puppies, have puppies and drugs, drug, drugs drug. is quite different. Yeah. yeah. And, but one thing
1: it just occurred to my mind, which is very important, actually, uh, of the proof of, uh, that this is criminal activity is that when the, uh, the war in Ukraine started, there were people and organizations, they were like, as one of the specialists we interviewed told, they were Ukrainizing the dogs. That means that they were sending dogs and puppies to Ukraine and then brought them back to Europe as a pets or adoption dogs and, wow. and then because, because people felt sympathy for that we have to save those
0: dogs and then they so were they were, very, they were for example a, i don't know a, a breed dog was born in Hungary or in Slovenia it's taken to all the way to Ukraine and yeah. then brought all the way back as a ukrainized yeah. And they, yeah, and they got, the they, of. they got the ah. Ukraine
1: passports and documents. So, and, and they were like in cases, uh, one of the guy we interviewed said that they stopped with the Italian police. They stopped the uh, tourist buses. Uh, and there were only Ukrainians where the dogs on board, even not the people were from the Ukraine. So, so, mm, so
0: extraordinary.
1: And, and, and that's, that's very nasty, very, very, very sad. I don't know. And that was mainly because, for example, here in Finland as well, and many European countries, they let people coming from the Ukraine with their dogs when the war started, even though that's, uh, Ukraine is considered as a high-risk, rabies country. There was no guarantee or whatever, but now it changed a little bit. But that tells us that this is organized crime because they reacted immediately and they don't care about nothing more than like gaining, gaining their uh, income. Yes, yeah,
2: they, they just keep reinventing themselves, taking advantage of certain uh, situations just to to sell puppies. So they they would do anything just to keep the business uh, the business going. It's actually fascinating to see mm. Mm. how inventive they I'm, are
1: actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah because actually this is a phenomenon. This is very very well known in Finland because we have we share the border with Russia. And uh, many dogs were coming from Russia and or Belarus to Estonia, and those dogs were whitewashed there to be uh, European dogs. So there's mm-hmm. no basically the border control when they're coming from the Estonia as Est- Estonian dogs or European dogs. Although the origin were they was in in in, in Russia or in Belarus or or U- even from Ukraine, they circulated a lot of dogs and. Uh, or they transported a lot of lot of dogs from belarus to lithuania where, for example to the vilnius there is it's only from 35 kilometers to belarus border so there is a pressure and then this whitewashing is a quite quite hmm. a, quite a normal thing what in quotes uh, what what the criminals are doing it doesn't have to be church church country it might be even from the like they are uh, whitewashing polish dogs to be like belgium dogs or you know, it, so that they so it's, look like it worn here. And Anik, you have to tell about what is the la- one of the latest um, nasty things that these heavily pe- pregnant dogs that are oh. imported. Could yeah. you please tell? Yeah, about but the, maybe the
2: then I first have to tell about the, tra- the TRACES system. This is what the European Union uses to track uh, the the transport of uh, live animals across the European Union. So as John already mentioned, if you are traveling with five dogs, you don't have to use the traces system. But if you are traveling with more than five dogs, you need to register them in the traces system so that the European Union knows where all these dogs are going. But to avoid it, um, Mm. the traders, uh, in, uh, Western, oh, sorry, Eastern Europe. Now transport pregnant uh, bitches to Western Europe. So it's just one dog they they take with them. So they don't need to register it in trade. So nobody knows see. that this dog is going anywhere. And uh, well, border control doesn't pay attention because they think like, oh, it's just a couple with uh, one dog uh, in the in the in the car. And uh, once the dog arrives at the the local breeder here. It gives birth to uh, Belgian puppies, so and that means if if the puppies are born here, they can already be sold at eight weeks instead of the fifteen weeks if they would the puppies from Eastern I Europe. See. So and then the the um, the dog gives birth; she stays with the pups a couple of weeks, and then she just goes back to where she came from, and it all starts over again. So it's actually quite bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Can I yes, can I ask yeah. you
0: how, how you? I mean, obviously, you've found out about all of this, presumably by getting into the, well, infiltrating the the bad guys, as it were. Did did you manage to get people to speak to you and speak honestly about how this all works? And to what extent is this? Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, you
1: know, good that you mentioned the word honestly, because that is something that is dead already. We don't know if they are like telling the story or. You know telling from the from the bottom of the heart really how the things are because they are all i have a talk with at at least four uh illegal uh transporters with previous investigation and and with with this uh, ongoing investigation and they their talks are pretty much close to each other and uh so i i i therefore I kind of trust what they are telling of course they are they might tell me what I want to hear I don't know that but uh that's always a problem, mm-hmm. uh, but but they have confirmed certain things that, and, and the ways, the methods of uh, what they use. And one thing about the traces I have to mention, that also includes, because if there is an adoption, for example, dogs are imported uh, to country, that is considered as a commercial activity because the dogs are given further. And a trace also requires that there's an official veterinary checking a Uh, the animals that are about to to go, uh, the the circumstances uh, where the animals are supposed to be transported, and the the documents. But Mm. in many cases, even with the breeders, because breeders also send dogs and their puppies uh, abroad to other countries, in many cases, the official wets do not physically see the dogs that are going to be sent. They only want to see the papers. And that creates problem, even though everything is legitimate. But on that part, the, the veterinarians are doing a lousy job because they are not there. But if there is like livestock transportation ongoing about, about to be sent, they are definitely there to look because, and of course, because it's in something that we consume, that we eat. And that therefore, they are more interested in how how the conditions of the transportation and and how the, what, what are the conditions of the animal. But when there is a pet transportation, it's very rare actually, and that is very alarming regarding to the, the disease pressure that that might be included on those transportations. So so as you can see now, there are like tons of aspects of very simple things that the dog moving from place paid to place B. And yes. that, I have to say this about traces for one more thing. The problem of the traces is it's that it, all, it only tells where the dogs are coming from, from the point A and where they are going to point B. But there is no... Uh, you don't have to tell if they continue from the reaching the point B. So there is no information. We lose the track or we don't know where they came from to the point A. So. It's like basically okay, good system, but on the other hand, it's it's like it's flowing, going yeah. in the, vanishing in the air. It's it's nothing.
0: Mm. You you mentioned diseases. Just tell us a little bit more about that. What, what is the risk here that with all of these um, sort of undocumented do- dogs and unvaccinated dogs crossing borders? That there could be an increase in rabies. Uh, what 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 could the consequences of this be?
1: Well, yeah, I, I just. Panic, you can take the rabies, but I can. There is a like when we're talking about puppies, there is a called parvovirus or just no, parvovirus, yes. Yes,
0: yeah, and, parvovirus. and that is
1: a virus that causes uh, severe illness and even death in dogs and uh, it damages basically the lining of the guts. And you know, um, it also attacks the infection fighting cells, and uh, so so it's, it's and it weakens the dog's uh, immune system, that's why they die eventually. Uh, I know it's very highly contagious virus and it can live for uh, many years, even, even in, if it's a per, like a family car where this, you, you cannot probably clean it or, uh, so, so that's, that's the number one of the puppy. And the rabies, of course, it's very, because that is zoonotic disease. And Annick, you can share a little bit about that. Um,
2: yeah, as I uh, already mentioned, that um, a dog has to be 15 weeks old to be protected against rabies because they get their first vaccination at 12 weeks, but then they have to wait another three weeks to be protected. And so that's why the European Union says that um, puppies can only travel from 15 weeks on to prevent rabies from coming uh, or spreading all over Europe because you have the Western European countries that has a rabies-free status, but in Eastern Europe, there are still countries that um, deal with rabies and a lot of these uh, countries are also the countries where puppies are bred. So if uh, we keep importing puppies from these countries, uh, which are too young, uh, not vaccinated, uh, that means that they are actually putting potential, um, potentially putting animals that might carry the rabies virus on these transports towards Western Europe. And uh, also with the war in Ukraine, uh, as John mentioned, there was this uh, brief period that uh, people from Ukraine were allowed to take their pets. Although Ukraine is not uh, a rabies-free country, they were allowed to travel with them and uh that was also a bit of a concern and now especially seeing that the, the criminals use ukraine to to uh whitewash um pets uh we keep or i think at this moment uh that we are actually importing puppies from uh countries with rabies um yeah the amount of puppies is, is higher than ever before so yeah, I think it's a, a potential danger, and and a lot of countries have uh, done a lot to to eradicate rabies, but nobody seems to care about all these puppies coming into the country uh, might exactly. have rabies. Mm-hmm. So that's actually um, something. Um, yeah, it's difficult to to realize that this is not a, a an important uh, uh, thing.
1: Yeah, and uh, one some, thing I have, I, sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry, Timothy. I, mm-hmm. I have to say about when talking about those transportations, uh, it might be that there are three different uh, like pit stops, and they change the cars. So that might be that the first car might be the clean, and the second car might be infected, and 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 so and so if the third car is clean, it becomes infected. And and one thing that is important to note is that some of those diseases, two of the diseases, are so called bi- biosecurity level two, which is uh, like you can handle rabies is that. But if the ventilation is poor or non-existent in the car, so that some of the um, uh, biosecurity level two they become biosecurity level three, and that that comes also with the rabies. That's normally the level two. But if it's unventilated car for a long time, it becomes number three. And why that is crucial and, and dangerous? It, it's because in that way, uh, whenever a pack of animals without ventilation are in the car, people can infected by rabies simply by inhaling the contaminated air. So that's why the the virus clever. If it's on the on the tree, it's 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 in the air. So rabies in the air. When the for example, custom officer opens the door and in house, and she, he might get. So, and that's that's something that should awake. I, I think the politicians or, or
0: absolutely because this I, is I scary no scenario. Idea. I had no idea you could catch rabies, as it were, through the air. I thought you had to be yeah. Only only or if, like if the
1: ventilation is poor and and for a certain time. So, and and it, there is a possibility that it becomes the biosecurity level three. So, I see. so and that's very wow. alarm. That's very alarming. That's very alarming.
0: Yeah well several questions spring to mind now first of all are some some breeds of dogs more likely to be part of the illegal trade so in other words when people are thinking about it, dogs that they that they like to have should they be aware of certain breeds or are they all equal as it were and secondly it, what what should the authorities be doing um what, what what does the law say and what more can we do to because obviously we have a very serious Health, public health threat. If nothing else, never mind the experience for the dogs, which I'd like to get to in a minute, actually, um, from the dog's point of view. But yeah, so what about that?
1: Maybe, maybe those like uh, top three dogs or the breeds are uh, like tiny companion dogs, like uh, little Chihuahuas, Yorkshire Terriers, uh, uh, Westland hind Terriers. You know those family dogs, sort of. Uh, I, I think that, uh, mm. and of course. Uh, from some part of the world, they are interesting to uh, import those like unstuffed and pit bull type of uh, dogs, fighting dogs type of dogs. Fighting dogs is of course a little bit generalizing become <laughs> of the dog. Mm. but you know all those type kind of dog dogs, uh, I think it's companion dogs, definitely, because they are tiny tiny puppies, and you can squeeze them under the seat or wherever you want to do.
0: Mm. But, <clears throat> And And what should the authorities do? Is it a matter of treating dogs as they would livestock, for example? you mentioned that the the, the checks are of a completely different order of magnitude for food that we eat rather than for companion animals
1: maybe 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 there's yes Anne, I'm not going. please. <laughs> uh, well maybe maybe for some reason uh there is no they are not taking too seriously, maybe they are not. Maybe, maybe this uh, disease thing must be like better <clears throat> explained to people. <clears throat> sorry, I'm starting. <clears throat> I have to take a like, this is not vodka, it's only water. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you're a Finn, you'd be forgiven for having vodka. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <clears throat>
1: Please, Annex, continue. Um, I have a yeah, vodka.
2: well, the, the authorities have been trying to do a lot of things like uh border control the trace system um local legislation it, it never seems to work so what maybe is a solution is uh make people more aware of uh the dog trade but also make people more aware of what it it feels like to, to have a dog the responsibilities that come with it because Um, you, you can buy a dog online, you can get it delivered to your house. It's just, you have to click pay and it's there. It's, it's a, it's a living, living animal. And yeah, it's as long as people want to have puppies, this trade will just flourish. So I think it's also very important just to, to educate people because they are also the ones who are keeping the trade going and. Of course, you have these, uh, campaigns from the governments and, and to make people aware. But yeah, they apparently don't seem to work. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. What can you do against the trade? It's, um, yeah, it's, it seems to be very hard. What can you do against, uh, the, um, the drugs and, and, uh, and the weapon trade? It's also something that's, yeah, just so under.
1: Actually, they, they try. Yeah, sorry, Annie. Oh. They tried in UK to get a legislation that the minimum age of imported dogs would be increased up to six months, but that failed at the Parliament at the end <clears throat> for some reason. It was it, it looked that it was going. That <clears throat> that might be one thing to increase the importation age, so nobody would want like three month old or six month old puppies anymore. But that. And that would probably increase so-called backyard breeding in the in the countries of uh, within. So um, so there are there are many sides and maybe the one problem is the free movement that we have in the European Union. So to, and I yeah. talked with the border controls officials, they said they have to prioritize human trafficking, uh, guns and drugs. And pets are okay. If we find dogs or smell dogs, okay, that's a well, we can a call, but that's it. So it's uh, it's less important, sort of, in the eyes of the uh, decision makers and even mm. the field workers. Of course, they know this, and they are afraid of the of the diseases, and uh, and they are worried. They 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 sacrifice sort of their health every day. They are on the field.
0: Mm. One of the things I find very interesting about your investigation and particularly the documentary that's going to come out soon is that you try to in a sense take us into the world of the, the dogs themselves and, and show us what it's like for them could you just explain a little bit how you you show the impact on the dogs themselves I mean, how do you get in the mind of a dog how do how do we know what they're feeling and how do you present that in the documentary
1: yeah 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 well we don't actually know exactly how do dogs feel otherwise we have to put them in the like uh, uh, magnetic machines you know and teach them first to lie down for 10 minutes, and, and then we could like, uh, monitor the brain activity. But I'm uh, we're going to, uh, we have uh, managed to get into uh, transportation. We have managed to put the ca- uh, cameras inside the car on the dog's level, so we can monitor how the dogs, uh, the facial movements and that, because that is something that we can then analyze and trying to understand what, how they are feeling. Uh, and of course, I'm, I, I'm building the soundscape a bit differently because dogs hear four times be- better than us. So that I make it like a little bit different and louder that soundscape. And so, so that is something that I try to understand the chaotic system and uh, what's going on there within the uh, during the transportation and uh, even uh, in the uh, a place of origin, like in the breeding place, or if it's a good place or a bad place. So, so I try to like uh, illustrate. What I think that they are, how they are feeling, what's what what is their emotional state uh, in 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 its moments and of the of the of the trade. Yeah, yeah. That that is that is a challenge, but I I I am very positive that that is something that I hope I I can do it properly, so that mm-hmm. uh, let's say like average Joe on the street can feel and understand what what's a little puppy might go you know uh, uh, what's going on in in this little little
0: head and when can the average joe expect to see the documentary any idea well
1: um, <laughs> I, I i i i as i told you before we started in in i i'm really hoping that i can finalize in january and of course it depends then who's who's willing to show it or or the but I, I am very positive that because we are doing these articles as well, so that this is an issue that have to be taken. Because this is, as I said, uh, it's not uh, very often that you hear about talking about the emotions of the puppies or uh, when, when they are transported or how how do these dogs actually feel about this or what we are doing for them or people are doing for them. So. And that's one thing, and and you cannot highlight enough uh, about the risks of the importation and movements of the dogs. I have uh, I actually I started to investigate with you even these uh, emotions a long time ago because I have a long history of uh, adopting dogs from Spain to Finland, and we had a like, organization and helping and working with the local people NGOs over there. So so that is like when I always like like to watch dogs and think about what 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 these little fellows are now thinking about, what's going on mm. in, in their tiny little active brains and you know it's it's very interesting and we have a like um specialist telling what actually scientifically is going on in in the dog's brain and uh, so mm. as what's going in the human's brain so there is like it's not just our our you know uh, Feelings and, and and what what we think about. So there is like scientific background as well. So this is, so that like we are more solid base here.
0: Well, we really look forward to seeing the documentary when it comes out, and of course seeing the articles, which I believe will be out sooner uh, in the next yeah. few days or weeks. Even uh, so, thank you both very much, Anik Huys and uh, John Eric West. It's thank been you. a really interesting and eye-opening conversation. I think a lot of people will. When they hear this, they might think twice about their plans uh, to to get a puppy. I hope it doesn't put them off entirely. But no, it no, really no. Is an yeah. extraordinary story. Um, no, uh, so. yeah,
1: uh, yeah. That thinking twice is a good start. As a one uh, oh, veterinarian in UK has told me that, hey, people mind waiting toilet paper. Why not mind mind waiting of getting puppies? So give a give a time to yourself. That's that's the first first thing.
2: Yeah.
0: Any other words of advice to people who, who are now incredibly worried about their, their um, the puppy they were going to get for Christmas? <laughs> and they, Never get a puppy for Christmas. They should... Yes, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, yeah. yeah and there's also,
1: yeah. If, if you prefer, hmm, some people prefer older dogs. There's an adoption as an option, of course, just to think about.
0: Yes. And in fact, is that the moral of the story? That, that the first port of call should be a refuge or a uh, what they used to call the dog pound uh, to, for rescue dogs. Is well, that what people should no, do?
1: No, but I, I think it's, an, it's a, like a very normal and natural way to like puppies, kind of like, like having a baby or something. It's, it's very natural. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And we have to think about all uh, oh, these assistant dogs. You cannot take a refugee dog to be the borders or for a truck dog. You can't just get rid of the puppies. They, they will exist, but. Consider different options and what kind of doc is suitable for you. Because there are, it's not like it's, you cannot take like big dog or you have to find, do the research mm-hmm. and do more research and ask people.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, thank you both very much indeed. And best of luck as you finish up the, the stories and the, the editing of the, the documentary, which, as I say, we look forward greatly to seeing. Thank uh, you much. for having us. All the best. And uh, stay tuned for our next edition of the IJ4EU podcast coming very soon to a streaming platform near you. Keep holding power to account. Thanks a lot.